Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, March 29th, 2020, we continue our series titled, Live Different, the Sermon on the Mount. Today's sermon, Pure Heart Fasting, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. Enjoy. If you have a Bible, would you open up to Matthew chapter 6? The passage we're going to be looking at this morning is about fasting. And I really, as I thought about it the last week and a half, I, you know, and I've been a believer for a while now. I mean, I came to Christ when I was 14 years old and I'm like in my mid-30s now, so it's been a while. Um, I'm sorry, actually, it was probably more like 15 when I came to the Lord. But anyway, the, um, I haven't heard a lot of teaching on fasting. It's not like something that the American church deals with a whole lot. I mean, in fact, I've run into people that have said, I don't think I really understand fasting. I mean, I know that it probably means not having a meal, but I don't know if I understand it completely. And yet, if you think about it, fasting really is uh, kind of a normal part of our everyday life. If you take the normal 24-hour cycle that many of us go by, you know, we sleep, we wake up, and then we eat. We break fast. It's just a normal thing that we do. You know, typically when people think about fasting, they think about food, or more clearly not eating food for some period of time. Sometimes, you know, people think about fasting for like a 24 or 48 hour period. Other people will fast uh, more like, I actually in college when uh, I had someone that I didn't even know what he was doing, the guy that was discipling me was actually causing me to fast at this place because he said, we're gonna miss, you know, our lunch meeting, you know, together. We're not, gonna, we're not gonna go in and eat lunch with everybody else. We're just gonna fast during this time. And I didn't get it, but people do that. The most common form of fasting is probably, at least historically, is probably fasting between sunrise and sunset, people eating before and eating after. Fasting today is a little different, though, than fasting maybe in the past. Today, it's much more oriented towards health and beauty related and not so much spiritually related. People today fast to feel better physically and emotionally. They fast because they want their skin to look a certain way or to cleanse their system out or get their digestive tract back in balance or weight or whatever the case may be. We fast for all sorts of health and beauty reasons. In fact, we've even added to that a little bit today. Now we have like uh, social fasts and we have, or social media fasts, excuse me, and technology fasts and TV fasts, people will say, I, you know, I, I went a week without watching anything on TV. And not that any of us have chosen this, but you know, because of the coronavirus, you know, we sort of had a social gathering fast. I mean, now we're distancing ourselves from each other. I mean, it just means to go without in that case. Historically, we know that fasting, though, is not a brand new thing. The pagans used to believe that, that demons actually would enter into the body through either having an open mouth or through food. And so they would often stop eating and fast in that case to get rid of that. The Eastern mystics today still will fast to rid the body of evil spirits. And so in Matthew chapter six, when Jesus brings up the whole issue, starting in verse one through verse 18, of, of giving and prayer and fasting, He's not talking about obscure, unknown issues. Fasting was pretty common, much more common than it is today. Here in Matthew 6, Jesus reminds that those three practices, giving, prayer, and fasting, they're all motivated out of our righteousness. 
They're all predicated on our relationship with God and they're all about seeking the reward of God. So let me read the passage here in Matthew chapter six, verses 16 through 18. Why don't you follow along with me right where you're at? Jesus starts off in verse 16 and he says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now the passage here is very clear about three things. The first thing it tells us here in verse 16 and even in verse 17 is you see Jesus' assumption that you will fast. Go back to verse 16, he starts off and he says, and when you fast, drop down to verse 17, but when you fast, it's very clear here that he's assuming that you're going to be fasting. You know, lots of people are recorded as fasting in the Bible. Moses, David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Paul, and of course Jesus. Fasting was a, a common part of the Hebrew religious system back in those times. In fact, Jesus even mentions that when he tells a parable in Luke chapter 18. And in the parable there, he talks about the fact that there's two guys, one of them's a Pharisee and one of them is a tax collector. They both go into the temple and pray. And as they're doing that, the Pharisee in Luke 18, 12 stops and he says, Lord, I'm really thankful and I'm not like this guy. I fast twice a week. Well, that wasn't just made up. That was the common custom of the day. The Talmud tells us that that was usually the second and fifth days of the week, which, by the way, also historically happened to be the biggest market days in big cities like Jerusalem. And so the second and fifth day would be the day when the majority of the people would come in to shop for fresh food. And so if you wanted the largest group of people to see you doing one of those three practices, see you giving and see you praying and see you fasting, you would pick the second and the fifth day. Now, it's important to know here that fasting, even though it's assumed, is not commanded in the New Testament. It's a personal thing. It's something that you and I do voluntarily. Now, the question I had to ask myself even this week as I was thinking about this is, why in the world would Jesus ask us or assume that we're doing something that he doesn't command us to do? Well, I think it has everything to do with the fact that it's voluntary. I mean, think about it for a second. If, if you told me, you said, well, you have to tell me that you love me. Well, I guess, I mean, that could still be true. But if you said, or you could choose to tell me that you love me, which would be better? I think it's when our heart's desire, my desire would be is to tell you, right? Well, the same thing's true about fasting. Fasting has to do with my desire to draw near to the Lord, to know him, to know his will, to bring my concerns, uh, the concerns of my heart before him. Now, this has worked out in a bunch of different ways. Let me give you a couple of examples. In the Old Testament, there's a book there called Esther. It's the story of a Hebrew woman who gets carted off into captivity and ends up becoming the queen of Persia. Now, let me kind of set this up for you a little bit because she fasts in this, okay? Esther had been a captive, becomes the queen. 
She became the queen because the king there was a guy named Xerxes. And Xerxes didn't like it that his wife Vashti, who he really thought was beautiful and loved to bring her out so that everybody could see how how beautiful she was. But she became a little insubordinate to him. I mean, she sort of challenged some things that, that he was thinking and he just had her killed. And so all of a sudden he takes Esther and makes her the new queen. So now you've got this woman who was a captive who was a slave, and she's now the queen. Now, the problem with all that is you would think now she's gonna have this great power, but remember, she's got this husband that that doesn't wanna have any other ideas. You just do exactly what I say and fall in line or I'll replace you. Now, the problem is his head of state, his sort of chief advisor was a guy named Haman, and Haman hated the Hebrews and was actually plotting in ways to to kill them. And so in the book of Esther, the the story that takes place here is that Esther and, and her people, they begin to fast, God, what are you going to do in the middle of this? Because we have no power. We have no way of, of fixing these things or changing anything here. And so there's this wonderful example of them humbling themselves and calling on God with really true hearts for him to intervene. There's another story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 about a guy named Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat finds out that there's this enormous Edomite army that's coming down that's going to destroy all of Israel and and, and instead of stopping and deciding what they're gonna do and making their war plans and coming up with a strategy for battle, they stop and they fast for God's intervention. Then there's Isaiah. Huge prophet in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 58, Isaiah calls on the people who were captive. They were slaves by by the Babylonians and the Assyrians. And these slaves meant nothing to those people. I mean, they really meant nothing. Life meant nothing at all. And so they begin to pray and fast. God, would you provide the way of protection? Your way, God. We don't have a way on this one. And then in Luke chapter 2, Verse 37, there's this amazing story, very small story in there about an 84-year-old woman who was a priestess named Anna. And Anna would go in every day into the temple and she would fast before the Lord. And she was fasting because she actually just loved her people and her nation so much that she was like, God, please provide the redeemer for Israel. Now, when you take all of these things and all the other stories of fasting and you put them together, here's what you come up with. They were not fasting for blessings. They weren't fasting so they would get rich or succeed or have, have multiple things or lots of wealth or they weren't fasting to feel better or to look better or for ease or for comfort. They were fasting because they were asking God, would you intercede? Would you work? which is exactly the approach that we should take to fasting, having great humility. Now, the second thing here you see in verses 16 and 17 is you see the commands concerning fasting. Look what he says. Go back and let's read this again. Verse 16, he says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head with oil and wash your face that your fasting may be seen by others, may not be seen by others. So in verse 16, he starts off and he says, don't look gloomy like the hypocrites. That word literally means actors. 
You see, the Pharisees would go through great lengths to sort of make themselves look sort of holy. They would almost disfigure their looks. They would, they would go up and they would find maybe an old fire. They would reach down in and they would take some of the ashes and they'd put it on their face, maybe in their hair and all over their clothes. In fact, very often they would even wear old clothes. And they really wanted to give this impression like they were really going through this really difficult time, like they were making all these sacrifices because that's just exactly how holy they were. They were like actors putting on you know, their, their makeup and putting on a costume to play a part. But it really wasn't true. And so in verse 17, Jesus gives this command. He says, anoint your head. Basically put product in it. Comb your hair. Wash your face. Get rid of the ashes and the dirt. Look normal. Now, he doesn't want, he wants them to not look like they're giving off an appearance of spirituality. Now, you may look at something like that and say, I, I just don't get that. I don't see why that's really a big deal. That's because you don't understand the custom. You see, it was a big deal. In fact, it was the ultimate to these people, to these Pharisees there at that time to be revered and to be respected. I mean, it was better than being rich. It was better than controlling lots of land and cattle and, and having all these things. You would be the ultimate societal influencer at that point. You'd have true power. You were considered truly spiritual. Jesus' command here is stop. Stop trying to look spiritual and actually be spiritual. Now, he, he keeps going here, and the third thing he tells us here in verse 18 is he gives us the reward for fasting. Look at what he says here, and he says, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now in verse 18, you get two promises here. The first one here is that in your fasting, your heart will be seen by the Lord. Now, that can be a good thing or a bad thing, depending upon the true motives of your heart. You know, one of the things that seems to be true about Christianity is people will, you know, stop at times and say, well, I think you're, they're, you know, full of hypocrites, or I see hypocrisy that's out there within Christianity. And you know what? Like anything else in life, there's, there's probably some of that that's really true. The one thing that we do know, though, is our God is not fooled by it. Our God sees all things. He sees the true motive of the heart. We may be able to fool somebody, but we're not fooling him. Proverbs 24, verse 12 says that the one who weighs the heart perceives it. God knows. I don't care what disguise we put on. You're not gonna fool God. God knows the true condition of our hearts. The second thing he says here is, the second promise here is God will reward you. Now we've talked about this a little bit in the past, what that reward is gonna be. I'm not really sure. I can't tell you exactly would it be that God would answer the request or would God lead you to the place where you'd be happy and it line up with the, the way he provides? Not sure. Okay, so why should we fast? Well, take your Bible and turn over to Matthew chapter nine for a second. Just about one page over. There's an interesting thing that happens here. John's disciples, the disciples of John the Baptist, they come to Jesus a little bit confrontational almost, and they want to know why Jesus' disciples don't fast. 
Well, look what he says here, starting in verse 14, chapter nine, verse 14. It says, then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we, the disciples of John, and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Verse 15, and Jesus said to them, can the wedding groom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So see, it's in Jesus' answer here that I think we get an important reason to fast. See, in verse 15, he says, there's no reason for my disciples to fast right now because I'm with them. But then he says, but they will fast when I'm gone. Now, that tells me that fasting has something to do with the presence of God in my life. Now think about that. The closeness of God, the presence of God. How important really is that? I started thinking about this for myself too. I, I'm thinking back on the times when I felt really close to the Lord. I mean, really sensitive to his leading. Like, like I was just in line with the Lord exactly and everything that he wanted me to do, I was doing it just seemingly the right thing. I'm, I'm obeying, I'm listening, I'm getting it completely. I, those are wonderful moments. In fact, I don't know if there's any better moment in life. There's also the opposite times of life. Like when you feel like there's something just, you're just a little bit out of sorts spiritually. Or you feel like maybe you're just not quite in step with the Lord or you're, you're not in line. Your will maybe is, is over here and maybe somehow your will is getting above his will. So you're just not lined up with the Lord. Fasting is the desire to sense God at work, to sense his presence, to know his will, to see his intervention. And it's a very humbling thing. It's not a spiritual gimmick. We don't fast like, you know, some people would say like, well, I think if you add Jesus' name onto the end of every prayer, well, then he's gonna give it to you. No, that's not the case. This is not a spiritual gimmick. You know, we don't fast going, well, if we do this, this shows God how really serious we are and now he's going to give it to me. It's, that's not the way it works. Fasting does not force God to do my will. In fact, it's the opposite. We fast to seek God's presence, his closeness, to seek his answers, his will, his intervention, his work in my life. This has everything to do with the motives of my heart. This has everything to do with wanting his will over my will. That's not an easy one to overcome. We don't live in that kind of a world. We live in a world today that says, you know, put your mind towards something and you get your will, you go after it, you pursue it, you chase it down. That's what you go after. And yet in fasting and humbleness, I go before the Lord and I'm really telling God, God, I'm making a sacrifice here because I want you to know that no sacrifice is too much. Hearts have to be right before the Lord. My motives cannot be selfish. I need to be seeking God's reward alone. Nobody else's. You know, I'm gonna ask the worship team if they would um, come back and join me. You know, when we fast, what we're doing is we're allowing missing of that meal, that the hunger pains that come from that regular you know, needing, like if, I, if I'm fasting and I miss breakfast and there's that, that little reminder, that rumbling in my stomach, or if I miss lunch and, and I'm, I'm reminded by that, 
Those hunger pains remind me of a greater hunger inside of me when my heart's right. They remind me to seek God, to pray, to sense his presence, to wanna know what he wants, to bear my soul when my heart is right before him, to him, to seek his will. Well, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to do something. I believe that we should fast. I believe we should fast as individuals, but I also believe we should fast as a church. And so I'm gonna ask that tomorrow, Monday, March 30th, that we would have a church-wide fast. Now, let me encourage you, if you're not feeling well, or if you have any kind of a medical condition whatsoever, please do not do this. You can still pray. You absolutely can still pray. But if you can, and you want to, let me remind you that most common form historically of fasting is between sunrise and sunset. I would encourage you eat before, eat after, drink plenty of liquids at that time. But during that time, ask God to make his presence more real, that you would sense his will, his leading, that you would be sensitive enough to hear that still small voice like Elijah did when he finally stopped and stopped with all the carries and the worries of the world. And there's lots of those things right now that we would hear his voice, we would get his leading, and when our hearts are right like that, we just pour everything out before the Lord, and then we'll know exactly what to pray about. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that our hearts would be so in line with you that, Father, we would know exactly what your will is, what, it, what you want from us, and that in humility we would fast before you, not because we want people to see us like the actors, the, the hypocrites, the Pharisees were, like we've made some outstanding uh, sacrifice. We don't want anybody to know that. We only want you to see. And then we pray, God, you'd speak clearly to us as a people, as individuals, as families, that you would do something amazing and wonderful in our lives. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Joel. Joel was a prophet, an Old Testament prophet. In Joel chapter two, God speaks to Joel and to the people, and he says these words regarding fasting and regarding our closeness to him. In Joel chapter two, verses 12 and 13, he says, and yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. What I love to, about that, I love the picture of God saying, would you come back, would you just, just trust me? Just trust in me. Return to me. I can't think of a better thing that we could do corporately as a church and individually and voluntarily as people to get on our knees before the Lord to seek God. Listen, God bless you all. Be well. We'll see you online.